0: Let's take it to the edge Let's get deflected
1: Hey guys, I'm Dan Eastland with Dogwood Custom Knives, and I'm here with Kyle Daly of KH Daily Knives, and this is The Knife Perspective, episode number 091, SHOT Show 2024, or boom, let's do it live. <laughs> How you doing tonight, Kyle?
0: I'm doing pretty good. My arms are pretty sore. Uh... Was Whoa, hand, hey
1: hey! that's that's personal information we don't need to get into that hand sand and a bunch of knives oh okay
0: yeah the uh i don't know if it's a good idea or not i was doing a magna cut blade then a CPM 154 blade and then another magna cut blade so i could, felt like i uh was making more progress than like doing one magna cut blade after another um but it just made me realize how much harder MagnaCut blades are <laughs> throughout I, the whole thing. So
1: doing a batch of MagnaCut kitchen knives, eight inch, not actually, this was a batch of 10 inch knives and it was soul crushing. Yeah. Like by the, I did three of them and by the third side, you know, like one and a half blades, I, I was dead inside.
0: Yeah, I try not to do them all at the same time. I try to like uh, put some up on the shelf uh, or on the hook that I have and uh, try to intermix them when I'm doing other batches to so that I have some for Blade Show.
1: Uh, so i trying to get do... some
0: blades done so that they're just ready for handles when uh, it gets closer to Blade Show.
1: When you start to feel good about yourself and you're like, man, I'm good at this. You pull down a Magna Cut blade and just knock yourself back to apprentice level yeah
0: yeah I'm getting really good at hand sanding pairing knife blades uh I did a couple one one fifty four c m pairing knife blades. It took uh, like
1: three minutes man. I did a couple of s thirty five v n blades the other day after doing all that magna cut. I'm like, is this even sanding
0: <laughs> but yeah it's um, starting to starting to get warmer up here uh the lot the grass is greening up, and pretty much all the snow is gone so it still has had frost the last few days. That's been really pretty. Uh, I I like the way frost looks when it's all over the grass and trees and stuff and sparkles. Pretty.
1: I could get that, but hear me out. It's It's been a week bef- since I've had to, to go start my truck in the morning at like five before I go to the gym. And I've kind of liked being able to just roll out in a pair of shorts and, and not have to preheat my truck.
0: I don't preheat my truck.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm Southern and cold sucks. So <laughs> I, I start the, I start the coffee maker. I go out and start my truck and then I come in and have a cup of coffee. And then when I go to my truck, it's not miserable to drive to the gym. Gotcha. So how have you been doing, Dan? I've been doing good. Uh, I, I want to go ahead and throw a, an early, I'm not even calling this a shout out. I just want to, uh, it turns out we've got some medical professionals that, uh, listen to this show and I want to thank them for some feedback on my, uh, my numb and tingly hands. Yeah. Um, it was really good advice. It was a, uh, a path that, uh, I went down. Unfortunately, the, the answer was, was not quite as easy, but it was a, a, a very legitimate path and I appreciate their advice. Um on the the line of of hand sanding MagnaCut, it turns out that uh fifteen years of hand sanding particle steels has had a side effect of some um asymmetrical muscle growth uh, in my chest and uh I now occasionally pinch the the brachial nerve in my uh, my arms and that's what's making my hands go numb
0: yeah so what what's the uh what's the treatment for that you're going to have to do some weightlifting to um sh- strengthen other parts of the peck or what's going short on short term
1: is uh, i go to see a uh, a masseuse that i lovingly call the death pixie <laughs> she is maybe five foot three and could be confused as tinkerbell but she's the first person that has been inside of me and when I say that, I mean I can literally feel her fingers working in between the muscle groups. And basically, the short term is a series of stretching to try and open up range of motion and, and open up my chest. Um, But she literally reaches into my chest and massages and pulls. Some of the muscle groups apart to to release the the tension on the nerve hmm. and i I am being very serious. It is one of the weirder sensations I've ever had in my life, but like she'll go in from the like the upper pec armpit and I can feel her fingers along my rib cage as she goes in between the different muscle groups hmm. um. I didn't know you could do that. It's a really weird. I don't know if y'all are fully feeling how traumatic it is to have somebody like 3 knuckles deep inside of your pectorals. Um but it is it has helped considerably. Um and then I I'm working on a lot of stretches to to open up um I've developed this posture from from basically hunching over and sanding where my upper pecs are really overdeveloped and it literally pulls my my shoulders in and down. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on stretching to to open all of that up. Um, but it right now it is some good old-fashioned kumbaya stretching and massage to uh to relieve the tension on those nerves. Hmm. Um but I, I wanted to give a, a legitimate, heartfelt appreciation to to some of the the listeners that have reached out that that had ne- medical knowledge. I, I appreciate you. Um, first of all, I was shocked that anybody that well educated listened to our podcast, <laughs> um, and to take the moment and reach out, I, I very much appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Gotcha. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Doing better.
1: I am. I, cause it had gotten to the point where like I couldn't sleep through the night. I would wake up middle of the night with the, the pins and needles in my hands. So I, life is good right now. Yeah. Some of that could
0: be uh, your advanced uh, bladder.
1: <laughs> I have not reached that age. It, it's <laughs> happening. And the only, the only salve to that pain is you can give me as much shit as you want to. It's gonna to happen to you one day too. I mean it's it it stinks that it's gonna to happen to me first, but it's gonna to happen to you too.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh my wife was like, You better start or there was a colonoscop or colonoscopy uh commercial in the Super Bowl and she goes, That's gonna be you soon. I'm like, That's fifty, not forty.
1: Hey Hey, let me take a moment so. and tell y'all about the good news that is Coligard. You know, you don't want people sticking tubes up. You don't want to be violated in ways that you don't want to be violated. I get it, man. Um, Coligard can test for everything that needs to be tested for. And, uh, I mean, it's a little awkward. You got to gotta poop and they say it's a box, but it's like this little cylinder thing. And then you put some stuff in there and cap it up Mm -hmm. and as inconvenient as that is, it is less inconvenient than, um, for you young guys. Let me tell you, it it turns out that having a camera stuck up your butt is not the most unpleasant part of the process. The, uh, the prep for that, um, where you pass things that your great grandparents ate. Yeah. Like you got a book 24 hours ahead of that where you're going to do nothing but stay within arm's reach of a toilet. Mm-hmm. Um and to 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 be freed of that by uh, just pooping in a box, it, it it's not a bad deal.
0: Yeah, one of uh one of my friends said his doctor graciously told him once it starts coming out uh liquid and or all liquid and clear, you can stop drinking it. You don't have to keep tr- you don't have to keep drinking it. And he said his second one was infinitely better than the first one.
1: Yeah, uh, that and um, uh, make your life easy. Don't don't eat red Kool-Aid or uh, Jell-O. Yeah. Yeah, because um, it turns out red Jello can look a little bit like blood. And then they spend an extra eight, uh, a couple of hours in the OR looking for where they accidentally cut you. Mm. Um, and then nobody thinks that's funny. Yeah. Don't ask me how I know.
0: Alrighty. Um, (laughs) You want to start talking about some of our sponsors?
1: Um, Considering they... Actually, do they actually pay us? Do we get paid for this? Yeah. Well, I mean, if I'm getting paid, I guess I should be more professional. Well, yes. uh, Let's talk about our premier sponsors. Uh, For example, the good people at Jantz Knife Supply. That's Jant's Knife Supply for all of your knife ne- making needs, and if you use discount code KP Grip, you'll get ten percent off your handle materials at Jant's Knife Supply.
0: Yep, you can also find the KH Daily file workbook there. So, oh, do they? Yeah, definitely uh, check them out. Uh, Atlas Materials, um, that new uh, blue and orange burlap—I'm excited to try some of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be making some more knives with the uh, the Dragon Scale Juma uh, because I forgot to uh, click the uh, signature required on a couple of knives that I shipped into Chicago and they got stolen off the porch. So uh, it was a good customer <sighs> and uh, we're going to make it right, but make sure you check uh, the signature required when you're sending to big cities and stuff like that because it's getting... Uh, really bad for porch pirates. I'm also uh, going to order some of those uh, Apple Air Tags uh, to get a little bit of a better idea where I can see where it's at traveling to wherever it's going. But, uh, and then just have a return envelope with prepaid shipping back. So, I'm going to try to have that as some sort of extra precautionary tale on those higher dollar packages.
1: On the business side, just general recommendation to whoever's listening. First and foremost, I give, um, I used to give the clients an option of opting out of insurance. Now, I just put that in the, the shipping cost and you're going to get insurance. And give them the opt out on signature release. Because there's issues behind signature release. I get it. But if they choose not to have signature release, then it's on them. Yeah. Um. My two cents for what it's worth: give people that option. If they choose not to take it, then you're morally free and clear on the liability.
0: Yeah. Um. um yeah. It's uh was just a bad bad situation. So uh, oh, it's a good customer. I'm going to take care of them. And um. Uh, but uh, it, does and good, you're it's doing business. A,
1: You're doing business right. You're taking care of your customer. He was a good guy. Sometimes stuff happens. Like that's unfortunately that if you do this long enough, you're going to have a shipment go bad, and you're going to have a knife break. That's just that's statistics. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um,
0: I've made 555 knives and shipped quite a few of those, and this is the first package that's ever been stolen or lost so um it wasn't ha- it was insured but um if it makes it to its destination and gets stolen off the porch uh
1: the insurance doesn't cover that yeah um yeah i I've, I've had one package go bad um and i have had one knife break and i was devastated when the knife broke and fortunately, they were shooting video of when they when they broke it because they were going to do a tutorial and if you slowed it down, you could tell that you could see that they were batoning and they hit the flat of the blade instead of the spine um but my warranty is what it is i I replaced the knife, but I was pretty rattled by it, and uh pretty sure it was Ethan that told me that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. I was trying to figure out how a knife breaking was the best thing that could ever happen. And he said, up till now, your warranty was theoretical. Now it's proven. Now, when people hear that even though it was a a shady, they hit the flat of the blade and you replaced it anyway, no matter what the cost was to replace that knife, Your gain and reputation is going to be worth so much more. Yeah. So as much as it's going to suck to do S ground magna cut.
0: Yep. Two of those. And
1: and that is that is all (laughs) of the suck. That's not part of it. That's not (laughs) most of it. That is all of the suck. But long term, and sometimes it may be hard to see, but long term that reputation you're going to make you're going to make your money back on you can you can do business with this person and be confident yeah Um,
0: so yeah just make sure you guys click that signature required or get some get some have some sort of email back saying that they don't want you to do that or something but yeah on the higher dollar shipments i'm gonna make sure to Definitely click it. I thought I had, but apparently I didn't. So
1: man, it's not the lions and tigers that get you, it's the mosquitoes. Yeah.
0: Um, we also have Phoenix Abrasives. Uh, you're gonna be using a lot of the incinerator belts on those uh remade uh magna cut knives. <laughs> um you can use discount code KP10 for ten percent off all of your abrasives and stuff there. That's really gonna help out when I'm uh, buying some more of those incinerator
1: belts. So. Thank you guys. And uh we have the new and improved Ridge Runner blades. Um Ridge Runner recently got bought out by a a new really knife centric knife enthusiast. They are going to more of a boutique style. They're not going to carry the the big names like CRKT or Boker anymore because you can get that anywhere. They are really going to dial in on the up and coming makers. So if you're looking for a great bang for the buck, go to Ridge Runner. If you're up and coming and you think you're ready to be invested in, that may be a good person to reach out to.
0: We also have Set supplies. Spencer, Ed, and Todd doing great things over there. Uh, I saw that they uh, posted up some really cool uh, slingshots uh, with some of their materials and stuff. They're
1: doing so, a little bit of everything now.
0: Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. And uh, Spencer posted a picture of a whole bunch of uh, bourbon barrel wood uh, that they were stabilizing. So uh, I'm going to try to snag some of that, I think.
1: And then let's not forget our most premier of sponsors. The, the people that really make this happen. The wives behind cage, daily knife and dogwood custom knives. Cause
0: <laughs> they're great.
1: Uh, Good old so, Valentine's
0: day. We're going to be celebrating tomorrow.
1: You know, I, you know, I'm going to take a moment. Um, see, Beth and I've been married 24. Well, Beth and I've been together. We'll call it 26 years. You know how many Valentine's days we've experienced. We've, Shared together, we've celebrated together.
0: You're one of those people that doesn't celebrate Valentine's Day, are you? Zero,
1: frickin' zero. The arguably the smartest thing I ever did was coming up first year, Beth and I were dating, Valentine's Day came, and I'm like, hey, look, this is a Hallmark day, it's BS. I don't need a card company to tell me to to remind me to give you flowers, to remind me to tell you that I love you. And I get, if this is a deal breaker, you know, I, I would not blame you for not wanting to date me over this, but this is just a hill I'm going to die on. And Beth, in one of her great moments, just looked at me and said, yeah, I always thought it was stupid to pay 50 bucks for flowers you could get for $14 the day before. Yeah. Now, the upside is I have been freed from that stress of every year having to try and top what I did the year before with that ever-raising bar Mm -hmm. because eventually that's nothing but a setup for failure. Like Eventually you're going to go as high as you can possibly go and you can't go any higher. The downside is you actually got to remember to buy her flowers for no reason. And like on the other 364 days out of the year, actually be a loving, supportive spouse. But if you can pull that off, you don't have to be one of the schmucks trying to fight for a dinner reservation on February, the what else, whatever.
0: Also, uh, a mirror braid has a uh, <laughs> Valentine's day special uh, that you can get, uh 2 dozen roses and uh you can and they'll give you a variable speed grinder for free uh now oh, those shit. uh those roses will cost you 3340 to uh 3970 uh for the 2 dozen roses but hey you got the roses
1: just came hey, along with the grinder you know that's about market for uh, roses on valentine's day <laughs>
0: I thought it was pretty creative for those guys.
1: Man, one of my hooks for shows, I used to have, um, actually, I think I still have some left. It was uh, It was nine millimeter head casings that somebody had cut down. And where the primer would go, they had put a little, it, it was a false gem, but like a little ruby or whatever. G-
0: mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I kept them at the booth for shows. And when somebody was ever like, you know, I get it. But my wife, blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, hey, I totally get it, dude. Tell you what. You buy this $300 set of earrings for your wife and I'll throw a knife in for free. But you, dude, you you can buy your wife a pair of earrings. She'll love that. And I'm just going to throw the knife in for free. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's funny yeah my wife my wife and i we don't really do a whole lot but she asked me to get her a bottle of wine and um she wants a she wants me to pick out a potted plant so we'll we'll see what i can
1: find Uh, cannabis is is kind of a no-brainer i mean (laughs) it it grows well in any soil it's great in variable light conditions um i i mean that's that's just my go-to. You, you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying. When whenever I pick out a potted plant, I go for pot.
0: Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, we we don't usually usually make dinner at home and stuff. So well, you um, have
1: kids, you don't have much choice. Yeah.
0: Uh, it was pretty cute watching them fill out their Valentine's Day card things for their school classmates and stuff. That was pretty funny and uh you can find Cage Daily knives and Dogwood custom knives at Knife Center and you can find Dan's knives at the Cook Station Blade HQ Ridge Runner Blades Asheville Crafted Edge uh was that all of them Dan? Um or were you paying attention?
1: Yeah, I was paying attention and <laughs> yeah, that's all of them at the moment.
0: And you can find my knives at Northside Cutlery. Kevin got a bunch of those uh after Christmas. Uh so there's a pretty good selection there. Uh, and you can find my knife making tools at Phoenix Abrasives and Housemade.us for the carbide straightening hammer. Uh, Brian's doing a lot of cool stuff working with uh, Gnome Hammer Forge. Uh, bringing some uh, forging hammers to market. Uh, Gnome Hammer Forge is uh, doing a lot of really cool stuff. They've done a couple of uh, runs for hundred dollar hammers. Um, there was a cross mm. peen and a dog's head. I bought both of those since I don't have any forging hammers. And um, they're eventually going to be like $150, $170 or something. But uh, to help kickstart um, uh, Ryan off on um, getting his shop set up, uh, they did 50 of each uh, to help give him some more cash flow to buy some equipment and stuff that he's getting all set up. So pretty cool to be part of some of that. Uh, Guild Watch and Knife
1: Shows. Yeah. Um. I mean. Uh. Yeah. This will come out before Blade Texas. I mean, we got Blade Texas coming. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Maybe. Maybe it'll come out before then.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, we can edit this. <laughs> we can well, edit that out.
0: Blade Texas. Yep. Yeah, February into February the now. If you aren't already scheduled to go there hopefully you made it there
1: um look forward to hearing um hey you know just edit that whole section out
0: (laughs) uh so yeah hopefully uh everybody has a great time at blade texas uh we got spirit of the blade i know jess hoffman and uh i think todd hunt was going to try to be there i know ed soul is planning on be there and being there uh, March 1st and 2nd in Troy, Ohio. I've heard it's a pretty cool, smaller show. Also, we've got the Badger Knife Show, which is a similar one to Spirit of the Blade, March 22nd to the 23rd. Yeah, It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show. I will be there on Saturday, hanging out the whole day. So if you want to, if you're going to be there and want to have dinner, uh, send me a message and uh, try to get a couple of knife makers to all meet up and go out. So I'll be up there for a while. And then we got the Midwest Knife Makers Guild meeting uh, April 20th uh, in Mankato, Minnesota at the USA Knife Maker Facility. So
1: Mankato, that's just a fun word to say. (laughs) Or is it two words? I know you like it. No, it's just one. Mankato. Mankato. (laughs) I feel like the word of the day guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh,
0: unfortunately, this shout out won't get out fast enough for you guys to get in on the waffle. Uh, but, uh, Alpha Tango Lima KT Adam Love, this was, uh, brought to our attention by our friend Glenn. Um, his, uh, Adam's friend Nick was, uh, hit head on by a deer while he was heading home, uh, on his Harley and he broke his tibia, dislocated his knee, um, And uh, he's going on two months of being out of work and needs some funds to help pay for everything that he needs to survive and his family needs to survive. Uh, So uh, Adam has donated a knife that he's uh, waffling off, um, and he's going to draw at uh, 8 o'clock on Valentine's Day. So it's too late to get in on that, but uh, if you get in touch with him and can donate something or some money uh, for his friend Nick, uh, I'm sure anything would be greatly appreciated.
1: And those of you that have been watching our Instagram and got in on that, we appreciate it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've posted a couple of times on the, uh, in our stories and stuff. You want me to hit, hit all these, uh, podcasts that I have listed here now? Uh, I think you should. um, we, uh, we've had a bunch of our friends and us on uh, a bunch of podcasts, other podcasts lately. Uh, I was on uh, the. You say but, and
1: us. Me. Yeah, you. <laughs> and <me. laughs> Apparently, being the nice guy in a relationship pays off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, the Knives Templars podcast, I was on episode 51 of season six. Chip asked me to come on along with uh, Frank of Two Bastards Forge there was he's starting to do a uh, innovator spotlight stuff so he was talking about uh some of the the hammers that frank makes if you aren't uh, familiar with him uh he makes some some really beautiful hammers and he's doing some he's called hollow grinding hammers and like hmm. the the cross peens and stuff like have some really cool sweepy curves uh, they're really beautiful hammers uh, and i talked about some of the how i came up with some of the the knife making tools that i did and um stuff like that. So very cool. Uh, Knives Templars is always a great one. Uh, Jason Fry and Chip and Mark and everybody on there. uh, Eric Rivers uh, are all great people to listen to. So make sure you check them out. Uh, We also had one of our listeners on the Hustle and Grind podcast, David Burke, the old and that's the podcast labeled the old one or The old one-legged coot uh show uh david did a great job i know you're always super nervous being on podcasts and stuff but you did a great job
1: he has also been a huge help to me on some technical stuff outside of the knife industry he i just want to give some some appreciation that uh some of his technical knowledge outside of what you would typically expect in the knife industry Has been really helpful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, The other day I was busy and usually him and I send some memes or funny videos back and forth. And it's like, I don't think I've seen anything from him today. Like, yep. Sure. Sure. I haven't sent him a message. Are you okay? You still alive? He goes, yeah, I've just been super busy at work this morning. So, uh Yeah. Great guy. If you aren't following uh, one legged coot on Instagram, uh, you need to fix that.
1: Yes. Yes, you do. Uh,
0: Also, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Mark of the Maker, they do a lot of really great history stuff. And they had uh, one of our favorite guests, Dr. Laren Thomas, on to talk about his book, Story of Knife Steel. They went into some of the things. And if you don't have that book, it's really cool. Uh definitely Spring for the hardcover version. Some of the like advertisements and stuff he found in there were just uh it's just a great book.
1: Just some of the stories of how how Steels came to be has been fascinating for me. Yeah.
0: And it was interesting hearing him talk a little bit about uh, his dad, uh Devin Thomas was like, Yeah, I did that first. And then he was like, just because he's my dad, I need to like double and triple check it and then he's like sorry dad um this guy did it first <laughs> 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 or, or there's enough of a toss-up that i'm not going to say either one of you did it first so uh that
1: was kind of funny too um it, it, it takes some cojones to look your dad in the eye and go be eh, like maybe you were first dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah
0: the the history of knife steel Uh, or the story of knife steel. Um, It's a great book. I've been reading excerpts and chapters and stuff in there. He really, really did a ton of research to go down the rabbit hole. And they used to not say like, this is D two. They used to market all market it under a whole bunch of different names. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I think there was like over 10 different trade names for the same composition. Like, Oh, you don't want that brand. You want our brand. (laughs) Uh, we process it better and stuff. So it was really interesting hearing some of that stuff. Uh, Mark Roll Steiner gold. and those guys do a great job uh, doing that podcast.
1: It's like a rolled goal. We toast our tobacco. Mm. There you go. Do you ever, I take it you haven't watched Mad Men. Uh, It was a show I never, never watched. Man, I, I got sucked in and not just because of the smoking hot redhead. And there's this whole series where they're doing ad pitches for tobacco and they're bogus bullshit. You know, nine out of 10 doctors say it helps because it reduces the birth weight of babies. They're Mm -hmm. they're trying to figure out some new marketing angle because they're finally getting blown up on their, their BS medical stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, during a pitch meeting, that is just going to go nowhere. They've got nothing for the client. And this, this guy's like, uh, how do you process your tobacco? You know, like everybody else, we, we dry it and then we smoke it. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. You smoke it? Rolled gold tobacco. Smoked for your pleasure. And all of a sudden, everybody gets excited. And it's this aha moment of, it doesn't have to be special. It doesn't have to be different. We've just got to convince everybody that mm-hmm. it's special or different. Yeah. D two steel. No, no, no. You don't want the inferior carbide industry steel. No, no, no. You want the new cutting edge Johnson steel. It's rolled.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and
0: yeah. It was interesting hearing about like, uh, how stuff was stolen and, Different compositions under the same name and all that stuff, like that. Cool stuff. Uh, so, definitely check out Mark of the Maker. And then uh, we also have had uh, a couple of our people that have been on the show recently on the Knife Junkie podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Todd Hunt was on episode 473, Neil Warren's was 470, and Ed Soul was on episode 457. So,
1: just remember, we were first. <laughs> check those guys out.
0: Um, and then I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up. I'm starting to put all the, a bunch of the things that I bought, have bought off of Amazon on my website under recommendations on the the menu tab. So, uh, it's an Amazon affiliate link, so it doesn't cost you anymore, but I get a little bit of a kickback for the the things you buy off through the link. And, um, so do your
1: old, do your old uncle Kyle a favor. You're gonna buy it anyway, so buy it on his link and give him a little cheddar.
0: Yeah, uh, I send out. I've sent so many Amazon links for people saying, "What ruler do you use for the file work? What uh, what epoxy do you use, and all that stuff?" So um, now it's all going to be in one place. Uh, I'm going to try to break it up into a couple of different sections, but uh, that's slowly going to get populated because it takes quite a bit of time to. Uh, do the pictures and get everything listed on the website. So um, I'll be uh, adding a few things each day as it goes on. So uh, check out cage daily knives under the uh, recommended tab.
1: Sweet. We're going to jump into shot show.
0: Yeah. Let's hear it. What, what was some of the, some of your favorite things that you saw there?
1: You know, all right. So there were a couple of favorite things that I'm going to be kind of a jackass and not give you all much detail about because I'm trying to set up to do a whole show about. Uh, Talk to some laser and some dot engraver guys. Um, I want to have at least two of them on for a show, a little uh, contrast comparison. Um, it's, It's two different directions to go in, but they've got some as inexpensive as $2,100 options up to the, the $20,000 what Kyle and I would both sell an appendage for. <laughs> um, and then, uh, I found a fastener company that is doing some really cool stuff and I'm working on getting them scheduled for a show in and of themselves. So I'm going to, be a little bit of a jackass and not tell you about some of the coolest things that I saw because I'm trying to make a a whole show about that and as that I'm responsible for booking guests I'm I'm, I'm holding out on you I'm I'm not going to lie like I need to keep this part of my job otherwise Kyle's going to expect me to do like technical stuff and that just won't work for any of us <laughs> um it was really good to see um yeah it it it's it's like blade show but I mean much bigger uh blade show would fit in one of the five halls that shot show is in but shot show's a whole it's like the whole outdoors thing um yeah.
0: they also have like gun ranges and stuff too for different days right
1: yeah so Monday is media day and you can sign up and go out to the ranges and I mean they've got eighteen hundred reproduction uh revolvers all the way up to forty millimeter grenade launchers that you can you can demo shoot if you're there on media credentials. Um I I, I got to see a lot of my buddies. There were some really big companies, but I'm gonna take a little bit of a left turn. Um I didn't do much of show notes for this, so it gives me some freedom to kind of blindside you on this. Uh, But I'm going to talk a little bit, and we will talk a little bit about Blade Show, but what I'm going to talk a little bit about is the lessons I have learned approaching people at shows. Um, So Blade Show is the world's largest knife show. period end of story. Um but in a bigger sense it's a little bit of a small pond. Um shot show is a freaking ocean. So, you know, blade show I I I've, I've been in the industry for 15 years. I've been really fortunate to meet a lot of people, work with a lot of people. I I've, I've got a name there. I, there's a certain ease for me to move around blade show that can skew my perspective a little bit. It's easy to forget what it was like to be that second, third year knife maker at at blade show. Um, Shot show is a reminder of what a really tiny, tiny fish I am. Um, It helped me kind of reset my perspective to what some of our our newer younger listeners might be dealing with that that trying to get that first break that that trying to make that first step and I've got the advantage of having a a corporate wife that has spent a lot of time in corporate sales and over the last few years has helped coach me a little bit um and I want to pass a little bit of that on um when we're talking to other knife guys when we're talking to knife users it it's about the performance um it can be about the heart and soul of the blade it can be about the artistry of the blade it can be about the performance of the blade but when you start going to big shows and calling on manufacturers and booths and that sort of thing. Um, it it kind of sucks, but a lot of the guys you're talking to are not knife people. They're widget people. Um, they are there to make a profit margin on a product. And they, they don't care as much about, the soul of the blade, um, the end production, they care about how can they make money on it? And they want to know how easy it is to market, how inexpensive it is to produce, um, how established the market is. Um, so a little bit, yeah. I'm, I want to talk a little bit tonight about how to make your approach and what people are looking for. Um and on the approach, I'm gonna tell you they get approached constantly by people. Um it happens to me at it Blade Show at a lesser degree, so I've got a little bit of a perspective of both sides of this. Um a lot of people will come up with uh, hey i've got the newest greatest thing that nobody's ever heard of you know a kid i got 15 years in the industry i go to bed reading about knives i wake up thinking about knives i highly doubt that it is new um you know it, 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 i'm pretty sure it was ethan becker that said that uh, since the day a man first used a, a sharp chip of stone to make a knife to now everything that can be done with a knife has been done. Um, so you might have a brilliant idea, but leading with that, that is the, that's not going to get the attention that you think it will. Um, a better approach is respect their time Acknowledge that they're getting hammered with people approaching them the whole show. Have a, the lingo is an elevator pitch. Have a 90 second bullet point pitch queued up in your mind and go with, hey, if it's a bigger company, hey, do you work with outside designers? And if they say no, don't waste their time or your time. It doesn't matter how great a design you have. If they don't work without, if they only work in-house, they're not going to listen to a word you say. Once you break past, okay, we're willing to to work with outside engineers. Have your 90-second pitch queued up in your mind. Hey, do you mind if I have 90 seconds, two minutes of your time? Tell them up front that you're not going to take much of their time, that it's not going to be some long drawn out pitch. Give them the 90 second bullet points. What they're going to want to hear is what is new and unique. How can that be marketed? And what's it going to take to bring it to the market? Have those points queued up. Once you hit those. You're going to get one of two things. You're either going to get, hey, that's a great idea. Some version of it's not a good connection. Move on. Or you're hit and you're going to get past the gatekeeper. You're going to get passed up. And the next guy, now he's going to want to hear more of your full pitch. And what you're going to need to be able to tell them, again, is what is new and unique about your product. And, yeah, that's a kind of a oxymoron because I just told you there's nothing new. Um, back to the, um, the Mad Men marketing idea where the tobacco cigarette guy talks about that they roast their tobacco. And now the marketing guys are like, oh, well, we're going to market that it's roasted. Okay, Give them something that they can market. It may be, you know, held at the perfect temperature in my uh, solid state controlled kiln for the perfect 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's true whenever you're doing S35VN if you do it right. But give them something that they can market. And then Remember, once you've made it past the initial, I'm excited about your product. The, the vast majority of the people that you're now talking to, they're selling widgets. It 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 pains me to say this. It, it, it hurts because I hope by this point of listening to the podcast, y'all know I am passionate about the tools I make. I make them for the end user. But man, when it comes down to if if, if you want to sign with a big company, if you want to sign with a bigger name, they don't give a shit. They're selling widgets. They want to know, first of all, how can they market it? And then they want to know how are they going to make it? You need to have thought out. The manufacturer process to be able to tell them, hey, this is the hook that you can market it on. This is what it's going to cost to make it. This is what you can sell it for. Really, you want to have some sales history. You want to be able to tell them, I've sold 400 units. Because if you come up with them and go, hey, this is this great idea that I have no sales history on, they don't want to take chances. They want a known product that's got a marketing hook that they already know can sell and all they've got to do is put money behind that. They don't want to develop a new product. They don't want to to educate people as to why a new thing is better. They want to be able to fit slide A into tab B. They want, this is the hook. This is what it's going to cost. This is what it can sell for out the door. Um, So when you make your approach, you want to have a marketing plan. You want to have proven sales. Um, The first person that you talk to, generally they've got to talk to you You want to give them the approach of, hey, I respect your time, 90 seconds. Up front, that way they know they're not trapped into a 30-minute conversation with you because they're looking at you assuming they're going to pass. But if you tell them, hey, 90 seconds, they're going to go, all right, 90 seconds, I'll give you my full attention for 90 seconds. And then hopefully you get passed up.
0: Passed up to the next person, not passed up as in
1: they pass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not passed on. Uh, Passed on is the, Hey, thank you. And if they give you the, Hey, thank you, man, I'm kind of the living embodiment of never take no for an answer. Keep hammering away. But that's not the right moment. If the guy in the booth has told you, Hey, thank you. It's nearly impossible that you're going to change his mind by hammering away at him. The more of his time you take, the more he's going to dig in on a no. That's when you got to walk away and think about a new approach. But hopefully what you're looking for is the passed on, the getting moved up to a decision maker. The bigger companies, you'll never actually talk to the decision maker. What they're going to tell you is, hey send some information either to me or to this guy, and they're going to present it to some committee. And that committee, I guarantee you, don't give a shit about knives. They are a 100% widgets. The people that you have talked to up to this point are somewhere between passionate about knives and aware of them. By the time you get to decision committees, they are a 100% widgets. So before you get to, hey, send me some pictures, don't get trapped being in your hotel room trying to take some decent pictures with your cell phone and put together a pitch. Before you walk up and make that first cold call to the guy to the booth, you should have in your back pocket a proofread, bullet-pointed email saved up again what is it why do people want it what uh, what need does it fill so it's a knife it fills this need um it cuts better it's a kitchen knife that's not intimidating to home cooks because it has this feature this is how it can be produced. This is what the sales history has been. This is what the projections are. Um, have that queued up with some decent photographs because they're going to say, hey, send me some pictures and a little bit about it to this email address. And then it's going to go up in front of a committee that is looking for widgets. And they need to know what it is, what need it fills what it's going to cost them to make it and what its possibilities for sales are. And one of the ways to get taken seriously is that you've got all of that lined up. You can be the the one spark that becomes a forest fire, but that's pretty unlikely. If you want them to take you seriously when they ask you for the next level and you can figuratively reach in your pocket and pull it out. That's when they start taking you seriously. So before you make that cold call, have your 90 second pitch, have your slightly longer pitch that covers the, what is it? The, why is it? The, what it's going to take and then have a, a written text with photographs pitch ready to email that's really what it's going to take to get some attention when you make pitches at these shows like blade show. Um, that's where most of us in this industry are going to try to make our pitches. Um, and remember, I think Boker is considered to have an excessive number of designers. They've got 70 designers. um, a lot of the companies, they've gotten a little spoiled in that they've gotten comfortable with the old model of you become a really successful custom maker, and then they sign you and they automatically just get your entire market. Um, that, that market is starting to change as there's more and more of us making and designing in the industry that. That's changing a little bit, but they've gotten accustomed to, I only sign the people that have this many followers. Um, to combat that, you've either got to have a really successful um, custom following, or you've got to demonstrate to them that you've got a marketing mindset. Part of that is also going to be, we've talked a little bit about, at some point, you've got to realize it's a product, not your baby. Um, on the custom side, I've got literally occasionally sometimes blood, but certainly sweat and tears into every design. Every custom or mid-tech piece that comes out of my shop has got a little piece of me in it. But when you start wanting to talk about production numbers, you have got to change your mindset from perfection, an example of you, to marketable, sellable product. And if you approach them as an artist that is passionate about every minute detail. That's not what the larger companies are looking for. The larger companies are looking for is someone with a market mind that it, it, it it's a widget it is it is a product that can be marketed and be prepared to explain to them where in the market it fits, what gap it feel fills. And that it is a product to be sold. Um, that that and it, is,
0: and it can be easily sold.
1: Yes. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with, I you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and be honest. We we talk a lot on this podcast about learn from our mistakes because it's cheaper than making your own. Um, a couple of my designs. Um, the upside is they were unique enough to be patented. I've got patents on some designs. Um, But larger companies have shied away from anything that is too different because that is too much like a new market. Um, An axe that looks like an axe can be sold. We know how to sell axes. That's That's a comfortable blueprint. We can move on to it. If you come up with something too radical, too new, you have got to have proven sales data to follow that up. Otherwise, I don't know how to sell that. I don't know how to sell this new thing. And if you can't prove to me that you have successfully sold it in the past, their perspective is they're not going to take a risk on it. So if you've got something new and radical, just accept you're going to need some sales data on that. You're going to have to have moved a couple of hundred units and be able to show them over this time period. Uh, you know, at this point I sold 50 and then at this point I sold 100 and at this point I sold 200 so they can see a progression in sales. Otherwise, it needs to fit in the box. Yeah. Uh yeah, and and hopefully that is that is useful knowledge, and hopefully it is. Um, it, if you've got something radical, hopefully it's also tempering a little bit to know that you need to get some proven sales. Um, you need to have a an outline of how it can be sold. You need to have a solid pitch before you try to approach somebody because the first time, the first link in the chain that breaks, you're done. The first time you go, um, so let me back up a little bit. I don't know and I can find out is always a better answer than bullshitting somebody. Um, but every time they ask you a question and you have a thought out, prepared answer for it, that's a plus column. Every time they ask you a question and they catch you flat footed, that's a negative. And very rarely do you get passed up the chain if you've got a negative. Um, it's almost like a, a litmus test in that do you have a, if not B, you know, I guess from a logical standpoint, it's the old if then argument. Um if you do not have a then b you don't go any further you get passed on you haven't thought things out um you don't have a fully rounded product so you you need to have all of this lined up when you make your pitch um a halfway pitch gets you halfway and then you're done you you won't get to the next level um Yeah. And I'm sorry, Kyle. I know this, none of this was in the show notes. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of fresh lessons coming. Um, this show, I really hustled my ass off. Um, and the benefit was I've really spent some time with Beth learning the sales and marketing side of the business. You know, I always had the concept of Build a better mousetrap, and the the world will make a line to your door. Yeah, no, it, it, that's the way it should be. That, but that's not the way it is. Um, yeah.
0: and you might have a a smaller uh thing for that, but not the in every Walmart, people coming to your doors.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's even some middle ground below Walmart that you can have the best mousetrap in the world, but you've got to have some sales data to back it up for anybody to take you seriously. I mean, that's, that's the cold, hard truth. So you may have made the the best knife, but you're going to have to sell, you know, 50, a hundred, 300 of those before some of the, um, not even Case or Charade or Boker, even some of the smaller brands before they'll have a conversation with you. Because even the guys, even though the guys at the ground may be knife enthusiasts, the decision makers up towards the top, they're widget guys. They don't, they actually don't care whether or not it's a better mousetrap. All they care about is, will the product move? And you need to be able to lay out a pathway on how that product is going to move.
0: Yeah. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah. I I hope, I hope that is not discouraging to anybody. I hope it is forearmed. So that when y'all think you've got the better mousetrap, when you, when you've got a pattern that you think will do better, when it'll fill a hole in the market when it's got something marketable. When you make your pitch, I I want you to be, to be fully armed. Um, because I've, uh, I've spent a couple of years making pitches at these shows, learning all the things not to do. So, uh, learn a little something from your old uncle Dan. (laughs) (laughs) um, the flip side is these shows are a phenomenal opportunity <clears throat> in that you never blade show it's once a year that you will get that many makers companies suppliers all in one place um you know, I, I think it shot this year i i think i had 20 i think i called on 27 different companies at no other time in the year could I call on 27 companies in three days. These shows are absolutely golden opportunities to go to. Blade Show, there's no other time that you will get the opportunity to talk to as many different people as you will in three days. As difficult as it is to make pitches at these shows, it's worthwhile just because you no other time during the year will you be able to make that many pitches efficiently. Like for the cost of travel, room, board to pitches, your ratio will never be better than it is at Blade Show. Um But you've got to have a pitch thought out past getting by the doorkeeper and you've got to be prepared to talk to people that don't care that it's a good tool. They want to know how easy is it to sell and what their profit margin is going to be. And if you can't answer those two questions, it's going to be the end of the conversation.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Um, and I I spent some time being bitter about that. I mean um everybody should be looking for the better product. Um I I temper that with if they can't make money at it, then they can't be in business. Um and let's face it, people are basically lazy. Um <laughs> they don't want To do the legwork They don't want to do the market development If you want to get in With somebody that's going to move Product for you They're going to want you To have done the legwork before Is it fair? No Has anything in my life ever been fair? No I mean You know I'm mm, 5 Brutally dyslexic and uh, On the autism scale you know, I've had to work a little harder than everybody else, but you know what? I'm freaking pretty, so it balances out. You know, <laughs> Kyle's brilliant, but you've you've met him. I mean,
0: face made for radio.
1: Yeah. I mean, God, Kyle, I love you, but we've all got checks and balances. You know, the, all joking aside, the, don't get wrapped up in fair and there's, no th- there's nothing in life that is fair. Um, you got some options. You can be smarter or you can outwork somebody. I've done the outworking people. It is way, I'm not going to say easier, but less unpleasant to be smarter. Have your pitch. Know what you're selling. Have some sales data. That That is what's going to get you into the decision makers. Sorry, I hope I uh I, hope I didn't get too serious on this one.
0: No, yeah, that's good. You want to talk about any of the people you ran into? Any? Uh, I do. Um, do. You see uh, anybody at Spiderco? We may know.
1: You know, I, I, I saw that big, beautiful brown bear buddy of ours. Um, and he, God loving, they have moved him onto the technical side he is doing their their sharpening and their edge profile uh we're going to have him back on just for that but it was a uh, talk about the the screaming soul of the uh the successful artist um he has not had time to to put effort into any new patterns because he has been so swamped with building basically sharpening and looking for a better word than sharpology. Uh, But he's been kind of building a ground up of how to quantify how sharp a knife is. Um, Which was a, a, again, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tease that for a show all of its own because it's, I got a lot out of that. Um got to see spin at jre full disclosure he makes my production sheaths there's a reason that jre makes sheaths for probably most of the industry and me too yep uh talk to him about some uh he's going to branch into some some new things that are sheath adjacent that are pretty exciting um i got to spend a few minutes with uh with our man uh David Anderson. Um, I, I get to say I knew him when, um, now that he is a, uh, a dare I say celebrity. Uh, I only got to be, uh, got seen for a few minutes before his security pushed me back, but uh, it was good to catch up with him. <laughs> um, I saw the, the blurry outline of Joe flowers. He was on a, um, he was on a next level of vibration. I think he saw all six miles of uh continuous booths in thirty minutes. He was occasionally at the condor booth with a, a couple of new designs. Condor' hard to keep up with because they have like thirty new designs a year, and twenty eight of them are joe's but um, he, somebody
0: made uh button or something like I know Joe (laughs) Flowers or something like that?
1: Yes. So um, kind of the joke got to be I mean Joe knows I think literally certainly figuratively I think literally everybody in the knife industry and eventually when you meet somebody it comes out oh you know Joe? So somebody started distributing buttons with uh, Joe's picture on them that says uh, friend of Joe Flowers just to, to help fast track that whole do you know Joe Flowers and before long 80% of the industry all realized that they all know Joe Flowers um, That's funny. I wish I knew who initially started handing out the buttons I honestly do not but the fact that it has driven Joe a little bit nuts trying to figure out who started this has added to, well, most of the joy. Um, (laughs) I I, I genuinely do not. I, I was very flattered that I got accused of, of being the originator of this. Uh, It was truly flattering. It was not me. Um, I don't know who it was, but it has been, it was one of the highlights of the show. I'm not going to lie. Um, nice.: Two of the highlights. Um, there has also been a tradition. A company made a, a high density foam outline of uh, the one that's getting passed around is a Beretta pistol, and it was just a like a space filler to show like how things fit in a uh, a holster and that sort of thing. But there was a group of guys that it has become a game to see who can sneak it into someone else's carry on uh, just before they leave the show. And I'm I'm not going to lie. They got me uh, three years ago. And on the the security x-ray, it looks exactly like the outline of a Beretta pistol and when i got flagged by security and they opened my bag and saw the bright orange foam outline of a pistol the tsa guy just looked up from that and looked at me and um where are we on our obscenity count like can you flag this one pretty easily cuz i really <laughs> want to quote the guy on this all right like can can we beep it boop, 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 boop. um the the tsa guy looked at this this pistol sitting just right on top of my bag just slipped right under the zipper and he looks at me he said wow your friends are really dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and it has become a tradition to everybody signs their name on it and then it becomes a game of you know who had it last to try and slip it in somebody's baggage and watching joe try to figure out who was handing out these buttons is a close second to um, the game of hot potato on the, uh, the who's is going to get pulled out by TSA for possibly having a pistol in their carry on. It's funny.
0: I've heard a can of peanut butter. looks like C4 on an X-ray also.
1: A oh, that is peanut good butter. to know. Cause don't think I wouldn't smear some peanut butter on some saran wrap to really give it that, uh, that soft, uh, You know, you need yep. to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as always, I got to see my my good Uncle E. Um, I, I really enjoy spending time with him. Uh, apart from just being a phenomenal human being, I, contrary to every effort I have, I still tend to have learned something every time I walk away from spending time with him. Um, and, uh, James over at Sun Devil who, you know, that is, that's a part of the market that we haven't really explored. Um, he does, um, high profit margin, low cost knives. Uh, some people will stay gas station knives. I don't think that's an entirely fair. He's honest about what he makes. It's inexpensive product with a really good uh, profit margin on it and he actually has found this little niche where he does uh, a coating that has different images on it like he's got this little cartoon plague doctor that he does on a lot of knives um he has found a really successful little niche on there are patterns that really draw your attention with a really good profit margin. He works with some overseas companies and he's threaded that needle on finding companies that he can trust to deliver the product that he actually offered um, yeah, we gotta have him on that's I think that's a that's a part of the industry that we haven't really dived into and it's especially for some of the design guys that aren't heavy on the manufacturer. I think that's a place that, that people could be successful at. Um, Dan was n- uh, from Atlas was not there this year. Um, I think he will be there next year because they have started to figure out materials that make good pull cues, make good knife handles, make good firearms grips. Uh, I may or may not have, um, some, um, Juma pistol grips because, you know, why not? Um, I, I expect to see him there next year. Um, I think that kind of rounds out most of the, the usual suspects. Uh, Steve Schwarzer wasn't there this year. Um, And he he is kind of an interesting bird as much as he has done in the the knife making industry. I mean, first man to make powdered canister damas. He is actually surprisingly into the firearms industry as well. He has helped people R&D some stuff on that end. So I was actually kind of surprised. I'm going to say I didn't see him. That doesn't mean he wasn't there this year. Uh, cause he is a little bit of a true Renaissance man. He is, he is cutting edge in at least three or four different industries. Um, but I think that rounds out the combination of who I actually saw and who I am willing to talk about because, <laughs> you know, you get that many people in one room, there are a few jackasses if you weren't mentioned in this podcast, that doesn't necessarily mean that I thought you were a jackass. It may mean that I didn't make it by your booth. Um, but if you didn't return my emails after you said you were interested in my product, you're absolutely one of the jackasses. (laughs) If that sounds bitter, it's because it is. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, Wow. Uh, we're coming up on an hour, aren't we? That's a, an hour and a half. Yeah, well it's an hour and a half us time. I figured by the time you cut out all the stupid stuff I said and the ums and the the whatnots, we'd be down to about an hour.
0: No, uh, this one this one is fairly clean.
1: Poo poo faggot shit, fuck. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
0: All right, you can keep in touch with the podcast at KnifePerspective.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on all of the podcast things. Uh, Apparently, Google Podcast is not going to be a thing anymore. Um, They're moving it over to YouTube, I believe. So um, we'll have to see what we can do about uh, getting it switched over to YouTube. Uh, you can keep in touch with Dan Eastland of Dogwood Custom Knives at dogwoodcustomknives.com, dot com, and he's Dogwood Custom Knives on Instagram. Make sure you check out those production knives that he's doing; they're pretty cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Joe Snarski, uh, the last uh, guest, was uh, doing some of the
1: handle work on there, so and they will cool be stuff there. They will be back on the website. I had them up, and the first uh, I think forty eight sold out already. Nice. Um. So I pulled them down off the website until I get the the next batch up. By the time this podcast is up, I should have them back on the website, but they they sold out a little faster than I expected. By the way, there. thank y'all very much for that.
0: There you go. And you can keep in touch with me, Kyle Daly of Cage Knives at com, and I'm Cage Daily Knives on all of the social medias. And uh yeah. Thank you guys for all your support and it has been uh been great doing the podcast,
1: you know Kyle you sound like this is our our last episode that that felt like a thank you for the great memories i'll I'll always remember it. this on our, <laughs> our final airing oh uh,
0: not not going anywhere
1: anytime soon, so okay, just making sure yeah all right come on come on upbeat give me give me some positive, give me some. This was a great show. I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Yeah, this is a great show. Looking forward to the next one. (laughs) Can't wait to talk to our next guest. Whomever that might
1: be, because Dan hasn't told you who it is yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Say goodnight, Dan.
1: Goodnight, Dan.
0: Well, let's take it to the edge. Because that's what's expected. Discussion. This is the night prospective. Let's get to the point. We're going to talk about.